Welcome. I'm Elaine Powell, and you are listening to the Mind Speak podcast, where entrepreneurs share how you can confidently amplify your voice, message, and story for income and impact. Now, let me ask you two questions. Are you getting paid your worth? And how good do you think you are at negotiation skills? Well, today, my very special guest is Alexandra Carter, who is the number one female sought after negotiation speaker and trainer in the world. Alexandra is a clinical professor of law and director of the Mediation Clinic at Columbia Law School, and she's spent the last 11 years helping thousands of people negotiate better, build great relationships and reach their goals. So trust me when I say Alexandra definitely drops lots of tools, tips and strategies to have you ask for more. And that's the title of her book as well, Ask for More. So let's dive in to this week's episode. Elaine Powell here, keynote speaker, TEDx organizer, and a public speaking and TEDx coach. And you're listening to the Mind Speak podcast, where inspiring entrepreneurs share their stories, tips, and strategies so that you can confidently share your voice, message, and story for income and impact. So if you could just pause the podcast, take 30 seconds to hit the subscribe button. That would be much appreciated. Now let's dive in. So welcome to the Mind Speak podcast with your host Elaine Powell and our special guest. I'm so super excited, Alex Carter, who I've spent a lot of time in Clubhouse. So this is the first time we're meeting each other face to face off of Clubhouse. So I'm really excited to get into our um, into the series and into this uh, session. Welcome, Alex. Oh, thank you, Elaine, for having me. I know it's so interesting. I feel like for months I've been staring at your face with a flashing ring around it, you know, and hearing your voice come out of the screen. <laughs> and here you are in person. And it's it's just lovely to to be with you. I've so enjoyed getting to know you on Clubhouse. Mm. And now here we are taking it off the app. Exactly. Yeah. Building those relationships and those connections. Uh, I think that's the the normal step that people sometimes forget and they just stay on the app versus no, build those relationships uh, and, and collab and make a difference with the because we're both up to big things in our lives. So I'm really excited because obviously this series is around entrepreneurs and business owners sharing their story, their brand story. You know, how did you get to do what you do right now? And we all have a story to tell. And I I haven't heard your story. So for me, it's exciting when I don't know. And I'm kind of like the listener, excited to sit back, get the popcorn, get the soda and just listen to this, <laughs> this episode. So Alex, I'll ask you that question. So Alex, how did you get to do what you're doing right now? Tell me your story. And at times I will hold up the golden nuggets. I never want that to throw people because <laughs> I don't want to throw you when you've said something amazing. I just hold this up inconspicuously for people who are actually watching to know a golden nugget has been dropped. 
<laughs> oh my goodness, Elaine, that is too funny. I almost <laughs> wish you had flashed it on me because that was truly delightful. Is there is there anything else, or is the golden nugget the only one? No, you- the golden nugget is the only one. Like uh, usually, I tell people in advance, but I I didn't tell someone once, and it totally threw them. They're like, <laughs> what is that? Am I meant to be doing something? I was like, no, you've just landed, you've just dropped a golden nugget. But yeah, <laughs> as long as you don't have one that says "do better," I feel like we're going to be fine, right? Can you imagine? Uh, oh my goodness! Don't tempt me, don't tempt me. But yeah, <laughs> so, so I'd love to know. I really would. How did you get to do like? Being, were you in school? I want to be a negotiator. <laughs> so interesting. I, I think the first thing I want to say, Elaine, is that when I look back at my story and my journey, it all makes perfect sense. And I'm going to tell you a narrative that makes it look as though I methodically took step after step after step and I knew what I was doing the whole time. And I first want to say that that's not accurate. I actually, for a large portion of my early life, had no idea what I really wanted to do. And in fact, I didn't know that the career I'm currently in even existed. And so what I did at each moment was just try to bloom where I was planted, to make the most of where I was and form relationships that I thought might help reveal whatever door I needed to open next. So that's what this looked like. So I'll take you back to childhood and early adulthood. And I was somebody who, when it came to negotiating or claiming your worth or, you know, standing up to whatever was happening, I was incredible for other people and I struggled to do it for myself. And I'm wondering how many people out there listening to this are the same way. When it comes to advocating for your family, for your friends, for your colleagues, for people in your department, for your company, you are fearless and you can get it done. And when it comes to yourself, you hesitate. Maybe you think you're not worthy. Maybe you think it's selfish to negotiate for yourself. And so, Elaine, I had this moment that changed the entire way I thought about that. So I was negotiating for my very first salary. And I walk in the office. I've got my power suit on. That was back in the day, Elaine, when I was still wearing heels. (laughs) Remember that? Full disclosure. Right. <laughs> yeah. Right. So, uh, so I am now, um, I'm wearing a blazer and, um, slippers, uh, today, but that day I was wearing heels and I walked into this office and I got an offer and the offer was great. And so I had a crisis. Why? Because two reasons. One, I was thinking, well, you know, do I really deserve this? And number two, it's going to be selfish to ask for more. I I shouldn't advocate for myself. I got what I think is a really good offer, but I did the thing that would change my life. I picked up the phone and I called a senior woman and I said, so I got this great offer. What should I do? And she said, I'm going to tell you what to do, Alex. You're going to get back in there and you are going to ask for more because when you teach someone how to value you, you teach him how to value all of us. And so if you're not going to go back in there and do it for yourself, I want you to do it for the woman coming after you. Do it for the sisterhood. 
Wow. Okay. So <laughs> this was the moment for me, Elaine, that I realized that asking for more was an act of service. It mm-hmm. meant not that I was taking another woman's seat. It meant that I was building a bigger table for her to sit to. And so in that moment, Elaine, I decided that I was going to be the woman who sometimes felt hesitant, who sometimes wondered if it was selfish, who sometimes doubted herself and still was going to go out and ask for more. And now it is my mission to teach as many people as possible around the world to step into their own worth with clarity and confidence. Yeah, because I, I would say I'm not sure how long ago that is. We don't want to sort of, you might not want to flag your age. I don't know, but it's like, that's what I've heard of you in Clubhouse. So it's like, however many years ago, 10, 20 years, you stayed true to that. And you've seen it that there's a bigger picture out there that you're the beacon for other women, which I think that that mentor was amazing. And it was fabulous that you actually applied it because it might've just gone over your head um, and you might not have heard it. You know, it's so interesting, Elaine, sometimes when people give us gifts, you know, like that senior woman gave me a gift. She was that person for me. And in that moment, I felt so grateful and I thought, I'm going to pay it forward. You know, sometimes you can't pay it back. So you pay it forward. And I thought I'm going to be that woman for as many people as possible, because here's the thing, Elaine. So I am today, I'm a law professor. I'm a keynote speaker. I'm a negotiation trainer and an author. And in all of the spheres where I am, I am believe it or not, even as a white woman, the minority. I am in spaces that are overwhelmingly dominated by men, usually older men. And so there have been a lot of people who have been left out of the conversation. And so everywhere I go, whether it's clubhouse, whether it's on stage at a major corporate retreat, whether I'm going into the UN as a trainer, whether I'm publishing a book, I'm thinking about being the person that opens the door for other people and shows them what is possible so that they are coming right behind me. Wow. Yeah, (laughs) that's so incredible that that is there first and foremost, because when you were speaking about how you grew up and you were doing things for everybody else, uh, it just reminded me of my sister, you know, five kids, and she just was always putting them first until... Uh, you know, there was a bit of a breakdown. I was like, you've got to put yourself first <laughs> because you're the nucleus of uh, of this family. And so you need to be strong so that they're strong as well. It's like in the aircraft, you know, put your, your oxygen mask on first so then you can, um, you know, help whoever's around you. And that's what it reminded me of when uh, you said around that. So that, that turning point, I, I see that, you know, that journey up until then, and then you started to, to, to be there for other people, but also importantly to stand up for yourself. I just want to know, did you ask for, you, you did ask for a raise and did you get it? I did. (laughs) Yes, I did. And in fact, Lane, if I could go back, 
I did. I only did one round. I said, well, I'd like this. And they said, we can do this. And I said, great. Okay. I asked for more. <laughs> and, and these days I would go back and I would tell that younger Alex, no, no, no. You're going to stay there until they come up to your number. Cause I think they would have eventually, but you know, it's a journey and I did ask for more. And this is what I hear from people. I hear from someone, Elaine, almost every day that they have either used the tools they found in my book or they've talked to me on social media and they've gone out and they've asked for more. And here's what I've discovered. It's not just about the money. I mean, yes, it's wonderful when you can support your family and build wealth and go out and achieve everything you want in a monetary sphere. But over and over again, people say to me, I'm proud of myself. It's knowing that I was my own best self-advocate. That is what makes me happier than anything. It's Mm -hmm. knowing that you were able to take that act for yourself. So asking for more, yes, by all means, I want to help people be able to make more money and build wealth. But it's about so much more than that. It's about you having your back first and knowing that you can trust yourself in any circumstance to be able to advocate for yourself and to do so in a way that makes other people want to join you. Yeah, yeah, I can totally hear that. So, you know, I know you're a professor of law and a director of uh, mediation at Columbia Law. How did the, like, now you're the, the sort of top number one negotiator in the world. <laughs> and how, how did that, how did you go from your career and sort of progress from law to mediation to now into the negotiation? I know there's a journey there that I kind of want to fill in the blanks there. Sure. So... Back when I was a law student, Elaine, I had no idea what I wanted to do. I just, I was a very good student who went to the best law school she could get into. And I kind of was used to just reaching for that next brass ring my whole life. I was one of those people that said, I'm just going to, you know, I'm going to achieve, I'm going to follow the path that I was meant to be on. And so during law school, I committed to go to the best law firm in the country. And I thought, okay, I've done my job. And then I took a class. So in my last year of law school, a friend of mine poked me and she said, hey, Alex, I just took this class. It's called mediation. It involves a lot of talking. You'd be great at it, right? (laughs) So thank you so much uh, to that friend who truly knew me. And I took the class, Elaine, and here's what it is. So in the space of law, there is a subject called mediation. And what that is is the art of helping people negotiate and solve their conflict outside of court. So it's part of law, but it involves people coming outside the courtroom and saying, how can we come together and problem solve? And Elaine, the first time I sat down as a student in front of other people and helped them work out their dispute, it was as though I heard Morgan Freeman's voice coming down from above saying, (laughs) Alex, this is it. You found it. You found the thing that you should do forever. (laughs) And truly, I felt all of my gifts were being used at their highest and best in that moment. But it's very hard to graduate and do that work. So I went to the law firm. I did the best I could there to find opportunities to help people solve conflict. And gradually, my firm caught on and they started sending me out on cases where I could help people bring it to a resolution. And then 
Columbia called and they said, you know, you were a student here and the professor remembers you and we want you to apply for her job. I mean, uh, uh, you know, have you ever considered being a professor? And I said, I've considered winning the lottery too, but I haven't really given it much thought. <laughs> um, so I went back to Columbia to be a professor in the class that I took because someone poked me on the shoulder. So I'm there now at Columbia. And what happens next is interesting. So I'm in this full-time job. And one year, this is somewhat of a personal story. My daughter is born um, and has some medical problems that are going to, um, in order to get treatment, it's going to be a very heavy financial cost. And I remember thinking about this and thinking, oh my gosh, what am I going to do? I want to get her the best treatment. How am I going to do this? And I thought, okay, I need to go out on the market as a speaker. And Elaine, when I tell you the opportunity opened up the next month, somebody called me and said, I saw a Facebook post saying that you're a negotiation professor. Do you do corporate speaking? And I said, why, yes, I do. I would love to do your corporate event. Here it is. And when I took that stage, I was doing it for all women and especially for my daughter and blew the doors off it. And every single event that I got for years after that was just a referral, was just word of mouth over that first event. So I'm speaking and this is the last piece of the journey. So gradually, um, I'm thinking, oh, I just do something here and there. And my husband comes to me one year and says, um, I'm looking at our tax return and um, you need to incorporate. And I said, I need to incorporate. What are you talking about? I just do something here and there. And he said, no, Alex, you're almost making as much in your speaking as you are in your day job. Like, I, I just didn't realize that it was building to that point. I was in denial. And here's what was happening. At every event, I would get off the stage and people would come to me and say, Professor Carter, we've so enjoyed this. You have such a unique approach. Where can we learn more? What can we read? And Elaine, I had to recommend a book written by a man because they were all written by men wow. from Harvard. And one time I remember leaving the room and thinking, that's it. That is the last engagement where I'm going to recommend a book written by somebody else it is time for me to get out and write my own book. If I'm talking about asking for more, you know, the book I ended up writing, Elaine, was actually, it was like a birth, but it was like two births. You birth <laughs> the, the physical product, right? You write the book, but it's also the birth of yourself as an expert and saying, I have something that is worthy of taking up space in this world and you can do it too. And so that is what led me to the place I am today, which is, I'm proud to say, a best-selling author, a worldwide public speaker, a professor, and a coach for people who are learning to ask for more for themselves. Wow. Incredible. And I love that phrase, and I've heard it before about taking up space, like giving yourself permission to expand, to say yes, and to figure it out as you go. And I know there's mostly lots and lots of techniques or, or advice you would give to 
people who are in the speaking industry for them to take up space as well, because many people play it small. Yeah, they sure do. And I'm, I'm trying to think about this, Elaine, because, you know, it'd be so interesting if we were meeting in person. I actually have a question. You seem tall to me. Are you tall? I don't know how people know I'm tall. What is it about? Yeah, I'm five nine. Uh huh. Okay. All right. So I'm tall when I, I sit down. So Long that's I, yes, but I, there, I just I had a feeling that you were tall. It's interesting because Elaine. So I'm going to tell your listeners a little secret. I normally tell people that I'm five two, but the truth is I'm really like five one and three quarters. Okay, so. I am truly a small person. You don't have to be physically a very tall person, although it helps. And God bless you, Elaine. I'm so glad for you that you get that experience of being up there in the clouds, you know, and and simultaneously so elegant and graceful. Um, I'm quite small. But when I go into a room and stand on a stage I want to take up space. I am thinking about my voice, my presence, my message. And I want people to feel as though like the entire room that I am holding the perimeter, right? I am holding that room within my grasp. And, you know, I'm not quite hugging everybody in it, but I have my arms around that room. That's what I try to imagine. And, you know, the other thing about taking up space is, Elaine, a lot of times when we are making ourselves small, it's because we feel that there are portions of ourselves that we can't reveal on the stage, that we have to be a filtered version or a watered down version or a partial version of who we are. And part of my growth as a speaker has really come from my growth as a person to, number one, get to know myself really well. And I have to say, Elaine, this is part of what I teach in negotiation that has been so helpful also for speaking about negotiation. Because when you negotiate with someone, it doesn't start from the moment you sit at the table. It starts with the conversation you have with yourself first (laughs) and how well you get to know yourself before you sit down with someone else. And likewise, with speaking, it doesn't start from the moment you get on the stage. It starts with the moment that you are working on yourself first. So part of it, Elaine, is thinking about who am I when I'm off the stage? If I were to write to you or MM or Dawn or Tara or any of our friends on Clubhouse who are public speakers and say, name five words that describe who I am as a person just operating in the world when I'm at my best, what would those five words be? And then look at those five words and think to myself, Mm. how can I bring those on the stage, right? Because Elaine, I'm sure when you work with people, you're not counseling them to step on the stage and become Elaine Powell. Just as I don't want people to step on the stage and feel like they have to become Alex Carter. No, the best person to be on the stage is the fullest version of you. And for me, Elaine, that involved humor. So humor is something that's part of my everyday life. It's part of who I am as a person. It's how I cope with the bad times. It's how I celebrate the good times. And if we were having a chat, you know, and a cup of coffee, I would be telling a lot of jokes. But early on in my career as a speaker, I thought, well, no, 
I can't bring that to the stage because especially as a woman, isn't that going to undercut my authority? I need to be super serious all the time. And here's the thing. No, actually, (laughs) humor is one of my superpowers. And so I did this thing. I'll just tell this anecdote. So before coronavirus and everything shut down, one of my last engagements was in Texas at a nationwide convention for women in the law. And I'm at, in this huge ballroom speaking to many hundreds of people. And I could see, I could just feel the vibe in the audience. I was like, this is going well. And I could see people taking pictures of my slides, you know, raising their iPhones. And all of a sudden, I don't know where this came from, but I said, hold on, don't take the picture yet. And I flipped my hair over, flipped it back up, like, you know, um, did it and then was like, you can take the picture now. Right. (laughs) And when I tell you, people laughed so hard because it was a woman being herself totally unintimidated up on the stage. And it created really a bonding moment that people still talk about. So when you are on stage, the best person to bring is the fullest version of yourself. Yeah, I totally agree. I, you know, I've, I've definitely done that. And I, I tell the photographer, I don't care who's there. My left is my best side. Oh, oh take, yeah, take me too. <laughs> Here we go. So let's, let's both like, you know, give our good sides. Now you're the right, right's not good. Left. Yep. That's, that's the good side. Yep. And you know, I think as, as, as speakers, it does take something for us to just let go, let go and just give ourselves permission to be ourselves and know that that's, that's good enough that you don't need to worry about what other people think about you. It's none of your business. It's actually what you think about yourself is the most important thing. It's really true, Elaine. It's true in speaking. And it's true when I'm talking to people about negotiating. No one determines your worth but you. No one. Doesn't matter what people say, what they say about your prices, whether they say yes or no. If you get two no's in a row, does that mean anything about you? No, it does not. No one determines your worth but you. At the end of the day, I'm the person who gets to tell the story about who I am and how I feel about the way I'm moving through the world. And so my goal, you know, I coach now, um, I have some private clients that I coach and I have a lot of trainees and students all over the world. And a lot of them want me to tell them, you know, you're doing a good job. Yeah. And I do want to affirm people, but I also want them to be able to tell themselves and decide for themselves that they are doing a great job and that they're going to be proud. Yeah, definitely. I I can't remember who said it, but someone uh, was heard Oprah saying that of all the people that she's interviewed, you know, around the world and, you know, she's interviewed nearly everyone who's very high up at the end, they always ask her, was I okay? Was that okay? (laughs) It's like they they want that validation. I think it's it's natural, but as you say, validation within yourself, knowing that you've you've done the best that you could at that point. I think that's the thing that will make you feel better. It's great to hear it from other people, but saying it to yourself uh, is the best thing ever. 
I really feel that I would be amiss as you are a master negotiator. And I know that people have their issues around asking for fees with regards to speaking, whether they're a you know, beginner, intermediate, advanced. What would be your three top golden nuggets with regards to negotiating a price for your speaking engagement? What would you say? Sure. Okay. So um, number one, asking for what you're worth involves actually not coming in hot and, you know, leading the conversation and saying, here's what's going to cost, Elaine. It means for me asking the other person a lot of open questions up front. This is the single best way that you can start off laying the groundwork to be a paid speaker. So And you want to be asking the right kinds of questions. So, Elaine, I'm not going to get on a Zoom with you and you're interested in having me speak and say to you, you know, would you like to see my different keynote offerings? You know, that is a closed question and it shows no curiosity about you and who you are and your company and all that. And so I start by getting to know you and I ask open-ended questions, especially starting with, My two magic words, Elaine, the two magic words are, tell me, tell me, okay? These are the words. Use these when negotiating for your speaking engagement. Let me give you an example. I would sit down and I would say, so Elaine, tell me what brought you to me, right? So I want to hear a little bit about how they found me, what they were Googling, all of that to to come to me. And then I would say, tell me more about your group, Tell me about the challenges you're facing. Tell me like the best things about your group and your team. And and I want you to tell me, Elaine, if we were successful, let's go forward a year. What would that look like in your group if we had a really successful event? Because I want to get a concrete sense of their goals, their concerns, their needs. Here's the thing, Elaine. Research actually has proven that the best negotiators are not the ones that come in all aggressive, right? And it's actually the people who ask the best questions up front. Because then when I'm in a position to be able to make my proposal, I can say, so Elaine, you've told me that your biggest three goals for your group are this. You've told me that your concerns are this. And you've told me that a year from now, here's where you would like to be. So here's how I'm going to deliver all of that. And here's the investment for my work. Okay. So number one, <laughs> Elaine's like, would you give me, would you hand over the fee? Elaine saying, yes, I would, I would hand over the fee. Okay. So number one is you ask a lot of questions up front. Number two, I want to teach people how to handle a no. Okay. Or a, mm, I'm not sure. So sometimes people tell me, I'm fine, Alex. I go in and I tell them, okay, this is the investment. It's $5,000, right? And and they have just enough mojo to do that. And then the person says, oh gosh, I'm sorry. Yeah, we just don't have that budget. And then they cave, okay? So I want to teach you two things. First of all, what I call landing the plane, all right? So what does that mean? It means that if the person says, oh, I'm not sure we're going to be able to do that, Alex, instead of saying, oh, that's okay, I can discount, or um, really, but it, you know, my, my price is really well within the market, I just sit back and I say, hmm, 
silence. <laughs> this can also be by email. Somebody writes back and they're like, we're not sure we can afford you. I let that sit for a day or two because here's why, Elaine, <laughs> a lot of times people are uncomfortable with silence or the truth is they really want you and a little bit of silence can help them come around to your proposal. Okay. So let there be silence. And then I simply ask a question. If you were to say to me, Alex, you know, I just can't do that. I would ask you this question, Elaine, what are your concerns? That's it. Right. And you might tell me, for example, Alex, I don't have budget right now. I'm going to need to wait until June or July. Okay. Fantastic, Elaine. So let's renew this conversation in June or July. When would be a good time for us to book that follow-up call? Fine. Somebody else might say to me, well, Alex, our department only has $5,000, right? And your fee is higher. And I might say, okay, so I hear that. So your department has $5,000. One of the things that I've worked with my clients on, especially in this virtual world, is combining departments, you know, in the virtual world, I can accommodate up to, right, 500 people. And so I wonder what synergies or opportunities there might be for you to be the person that brings value to multiple teams, right? And then they say, wow, great idea. Okay, so what are your concerns is a great way. The last thing I would say is to write their victory speech, okay? No matter who it is I'm talking to, I never treat that person as the pass-through, Elaine. Even if they are the initial, you know, they are a secretary, they're an assistant, no. I try to recruit them to my cause and tell them how bringing me in at the fee that I have named is going to make them a winner. It's going to benefit them in their job. It's going to benefit other people and in the process, benefit them. So those are my three tips. Lead with questions. Land the plane and ask, what are your concerns when you get a no, right? You know, and then thinking on the back end, how are you going to write their victory speech? But the last point I really want to leave people with is you deserve to make a living as a speaker. You deserve to be paid for your work. And I'm going to say, especially to the women and women of color out there, when you, I'm going to go back to that salary negotiation that I had, when you ask for more, you normalize what it is for a woman to be a highly paid speaker. And the next woman coming after you, the next woman of color who's negotiating is going to have an easier time because you stood in your worth. So go out and do it. Oh, incredible. And from everything you shared, especially at the beginning when you say that you looked back and now you can look back, you can see why you did what you did, the, the, you know, the career path that you took that's all led you to this point right now. And uh, for writing the book, I feel like you're that mentor, maybe you need to credit her for saying ask for more, because obviously that's the name of your book <laughs> and your mantra, I'm sure over these many years. It is. You know, it's incredible. I've had, um, I'm going to keep her identity private, but I have a few women, that woman in particular, who've really mentored and poured into me. So um, there's that woman, uh, the woman who teaches or, you know, founded the program that I ended up inheriting at Columbia. She basically handed me her baby. And I am now the professor in this program where I've been for the last 13 years. And I love it because Elaine, we live in a world that is full of conflict. 
And every day, my students and I provide free conflict resolution services to people who otherwise would not be able to afford it. And that's what I do in my day job. And I'm incredibly, incredibly proud to do that work. You know, and on the speaking front, I want to say this. I'm here today in part because remember I told you I pushed the default button and I went to that really big firm after I graduated from law school because I couldn't figure out how to be a mediator. I went to this large firm and I remember being asked as a very new lawyer to give a presentation in front of everybody, short presentation on what I was working on. And when I finished, a female partner from the back of the room called me out in front of everyone. And she said, Alex, has anyone ever told you that you are great at the front of a room? Mm-hmm. And I remember Elaine, like kind of, she said, yeah, <laughs> you. And um, she took action to help put me in front of clients as a teacher. She saw something in me and she called it out and amplified it. And I think to myself, you know, I am here today Because people saw excellence in me. They saw potential in me and they called it out. They let me know what they saw. Sometimes people are too close to themselves and they can't see the gifts they have. And so I just feel incredibly grateful. I wake up every day, Elaine, doing what I know I was put on this earth to do with full conviction. And there's so much joy in that. And I'm here. Yes, I've worked very, very hard. I've also had incredible people pour into me and invest in me. And I'm going to spend the rest of my life truly paying that forward for other people. Mm. Wow. Well, I can now understand because we've been on Clubhouse for a few months together in the same room and you are always validating, acknowledging, edifying uh, people in the audience. And I was like, wow, she's really great at that. It seems to be natural, but I can see it came from your life experience um, and you've lived it. And therefore it's, it's comes from such an authentic place, uh, wanting to make a difference and pay it forward so that we, I include myself in there, also edify other people and validate them so they can do the same to other women as well, to have them speak up a lot more than they possibly do. And I'm sure, you know, inside your Ask for More book is lots and lots of more stories and phenomenal golden nuggets. I'll let you have my golden nuggets. Uh, and you've just floored me with everything that you shared in our interview. And I feel really blessed to interview you and to have you here with us as well. So a couple of things before we close, uh, what's next for you, Alex? I know you're up to mostly some really exciting things. Yes. Well, so coming up on May 5th is the first birthday of what I call my second child, Ask for More. And that's my book that came out last year from Simon & Schuster and became the first negotiation book solo authored by a woman to make the Wall Street Journal business bestseller list. Yes, right out there. (laughs) Yes, doing it for the sisterhood. And so in honor of the first birthday, 
I'm going to be doing all sorts of giveaways and community events. And so you can find me and also find information about the book, which is available in the UK and elsewhere at my website, which is alexcarterasks.com. So people can find me there. I would love for you to join me in celebrating the first birthday of Ask for More. There will be cake, there will be champagne, and there will be lots and lots of free resources to help you get started toward whatever it is that you are doing next. Um, and connecting with me there, Elaine, is also the best way to find out about programs I'm doing. I have some digital courses coming out in May, including one on how to be your own ultimate self-advocate. So how it is that you can be your biggest champion out there in the world as you are asking for more. So stay tuned for all of that. Yeah, well, there's no one better than Alex Carter to to help <laughs> help people do that. So thank you so much, Alex, for everything you're doing for other people and obviously for yourself as well because you've learned that lesson, feed yourself so that you can um, make a difference to others. So definitely follow Alex, contact her. I'll be there eating virtual cake and uh, champagne. How much you have it beside me here in the UK? And um, yeah, buy the book, attend the event, and just yeah, it's it's gold. Every time Alex opens out her mouth, you can see on Clubhouse mics are flashing away because we love <laughs> <laughs> we love when you speak because it's just always profound and and amazing. So. Um, I just want to thank everyone. Thank you for listening uh, to this podcast. I know you've taken away so many golden nuggets for yourself with regards to sharing your story. You can see how your story is relevant. There are milestones in your life that has led you to where you are now. And as you can see with Alex, I, we can definitely see why she does what she does right now. And um, I'm sure Alex goes out and shares that story with others because she knows that that empowers them to stand in their their beliefs, standing their wisdom, internal wisdom and their strength and to just go out and ask for more. So as we close, I like to leave the last word with my awesome guest, Alex Carter. Alex, what would you love to share with the listener? Oh, thank you, Elaine. Thank you for having me here today. And what I want to tell people is a message of encouragement. I want you to know that even if you have struggled before to ask for more for yourself, even if you haven't yet asked to be paid for those speaking engagements, even if you have hesitated in the past when, you know, whether it's trying to earn money or set boundaries in a relationship, you can learn you too can be a confident and a skilled negotiator. And I want you to know that truly the secret to asking for more is not that you have to be the biggest, most aggressive person in the room. In fact, that's not helpful. If you are the person who builds relationships of trust, if people come to you for advice, if they stay in your orbit for long periods of time, that means that you are a great negotiator. And you too can learn just a few simple tools that are gonna help you take your message and serve so many people. Because here's the thing, every time I put myself out there, every time I get on a stage, every time I publish a book, 
every time I'm on social media talking about who I am and what I do, I am creating the opportunity to serve more people. And so I want you to see getting on that stage, whatever that stage means to you, as an act of service, because other people are looking to you to see what is possible. So don't make them wait any longer. Get out there, offer what you have, and know that when you ask for more, another woman knows she can too. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) So from myself, Elaine Powell and Alex Carter, tune in next time to the MindSpeak podcast. Take care. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the MindSpeak podcast with myself, Elaine Powell, and special guest, I would love for you to share your thoughts around this podcast. Press the subscribe button, scroll down and give it a rating and review on whatever platform you're listening on. That would be much appreciated. So until the next time, keep on amplifying your voice, message and story. Take care.